Hello, and welcome to Once More with Commentary, a Buffy and Angel podcast. I'm Ginny. And I'm Allie. Uh, and today we're talking about Into the Woods for Buffy and Reunion for Angel. Yes. I had surprising reactions to various pieces of both of these. <laughs> I, well... I think. I'll get into it later, but like yeah. my reaction to the Angel episode... <laughs> Yeah, I was like, I, oh, that's this one. Yeah, yeah, kind of. That's kind of where I was at, too. I forgot, obviously, a lot of those details, but for once, I didn't hate Angel. I guess that's my lead-in. Right, I mean, like, it wasn't perfect or anything, but, like... I knew that this was coming, but for whatever reason, I thought it was, like, later in the okay. season. And so, as soon as, like, events started falling into place, I was like, mm-hmm. oh, my God, is it already? Yeah. <laughs> also, I want to point out that I had my typical reaction upon seeing the credits where Kate oh, was obviously featured. I know. But that this was like I don't even know why they but like her minimal in. use of Kate. Yeah, totally. Um it's funny because yes last week when we were recording we were looking at the next episodes, I saw her name in the uh like in the credits. So I knew. That was I don't know if you remember this, but last week I was like, oh wait, no, I, I see something and I like didn't tell you what it was and that was yeah. what it was. <laughs> So, interesting episodes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I guess we'll start with Into the Woods. Well, first, how are you, Jenny? Oh, right. <laughs> Sorry. Distracted. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty good. I, so, we've been, like, repainting and, like, redecorating our apartment, like, very slowly. And yesterday, we spent all day, we got some new pieces of furniture, and we rehung things on the wall in the living room. It was very exciting. <laughs> Our living room is like finally looks normal again, I guess. Yay. I'm very pleased. I'm pleased with the way it turned out and I'm pleased with the general setup. Um, but like we, so like we, we knew we were rearranging. So we painted, so we took everything off the walls, but then we were like, well, we know we want to move some of the stuff around. So I don't want to, I don't want to hang the art until we know how we want to arrange everything because it's like, I don't want to have to do it more than once, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's just all been in a stack next to our dining room table, like taking up space and being very irritating. And then we had like a bunch of extra, like our like DVDs and books that didn't fit on our current setup. And so they were just like in boxes on the floor, you know, it was just one of those things that's like, you sort of get used to it after a while, but like now that I've cleared it out, like I feel so much better. <laughs> and I'm really happy with some of the things that we got. We got this like media console that has, like, a space for a record player. We're totally posers because, like, what do either of us know about records or anything? But it looks really cool. And I have a record. a record player, and I yeah. never use it because, one, it doesn't work. But, two, it just looks cool. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm really happy with it. Well, And we got speakers for the record player, too. And I'm actually – I realized yesterday that, like, you know, we, we don't really have a lot of records. So we had to just play – Eventually, we were just listening to music off of my iPhone, but plugged it into the speakers. But I just, I just haven't had speakers in a really long time, and I like kept having this reaction. I was like, oh yeah, it's fun to just listen to music sometimes, but like, without, the, you know, without like the table and the speak, it just feel. I don't know. It's not like I never listen to music, but rarely in the house, just because like there wasn't a convenient, easy way to just play stuff. Mm. So I'm just really excited because it was fun. It was like super fun. We listened to music all day while we were, you know, hanging things and cleaning up and doing whatever, and it was a good time. So that's what's new. And we have these, <laughs> we have big movie posters over our couch. That's like the big, <laughs> the big piece. But I'm also really excited because Alex agreed that we could get more movie posters and then like switch them out. L- like it, with the seasons. <laughs> what like, I'm saying is I'm about to get a bunch attractions. of, <laughs> I'm about to get a bunch of scary movie posters and put them up for Halloween. Oh, and oh. I'm really excited. But also just get some other ones so that we can swap them out sometimes. And then 
what would be funny is if you like made people come over and like watch those movies. It like, would be funny. <laughs> I probably will do that. <laughs> but yeah. Um, how are you doing? Um, I'm good. I've been very lazy. I, I had kind of a stressful week. And mm-hmm. so like I had Friday off, which was great, but I like, I don't know. I had all these plans. Like I was going to be like super productive. And then I was like, what if I just like didn't do anything? What if yeah. I just yeah. read a novel and enjoy myself and yeah. don't put pressure on myself to like work out? And mm-hmm. that has carried through to Sunday. So okay. <laughs> I like I'm it, having though. a nice weekend, I have to say. Yeah. But I, I think I needed it. Like, you know, every once in a while, you just need to, like, not Not be anything. thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I haven't even been cooking. Like, I... This is mm. terrible. I bought Pop-Tarts. I've been eating Pop-Tarts. <gasps> like, these are... Just kidding. I love Pop-Tarts. Not things that I ever have in my house. But, like, for whatever reason, on Friday, I had this, like, massive craving for Pop-Tarts. <laughs> I was like, well, screw this. I'm going to go get some Pop-Tarts. <laughs> Except the worst part, I didn't even go get them. I had them delivered. <laughs> oh, wow. That is pretty bad. <laughs> pretty hardcore. <laughs> Pop-Tarts were one of my, like, drug of choice foods at the vending machine in my old office, so I can't judge you. It was mostly Pop-Tarts and um, Cheez-Its. You know why? Because, like, even when Pop-Tarts are stale, they're still, like, not as bad as some of the food that could be in there. I don't know. I Because mean, they, they just, already they have sort a... of are stale. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm firmly on Team Toasted Pop-Tarts. Oh, I was just going to ask that. I, I always ate them raw because I don't think we had a toaster in the office, but also because I didn't care. Right. Sometimes you don't have It doesn't improve it enough option. for me to f- feel strongly about it. I would. I mean, I like a toasted one, but... I feel like I'm more likely to eat, like, a brown sugar one raw than, like, mm-hmm. I think mm. toasted oh, strawberry so Pop-Tarts are the best. The opposite. I like the brown sugar ones toasted. Oh, no, I <laughs> like them toasted, but, like, I could eat them untoasted. I always ate the strawberry ones untoasted. Yeah. This is a riveting debate here. Write <laughs> <laughs> in with your thoughts about Pop-Tarts. <laughs> um, uh, oh, actually, that reminds me that I got an interesting update from our, one of our listeners. One oh, yeah. Our, I don't know how many listeners we have, as always. <laughs> at least two. <laughs> well, at least four. Oh, and speaking of that, if, if anyone wrote in to tell us that the sound was terrible last time. Oh, I don't think know. anyone did. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Sometimes We apologize. We issues. fixed it. <laughs> Um, well, so, you know, a while back I had been talking about Bones a lot, and so one of our listeners started watching Bones because of it, and she was giving me occasional updates, and now the, now the update is that she finished, and now I feel really like, well, crap, I never finished, <laughs> so now I'm like, oh, I gotta finish Bones real quick. Anyway, I, I've, I've been meaning to finish Bones for about a year, but the last time that I started rewatching, whenever I was talking about it on the podcast, I started back at season one, kind of because, like, you know, I just, I have a lot of background TV, which is a, probably a habit I should break, but whatever, um... Anyway, at just some point, I just got distracted with something else, so I just haven't finished it. But I probably should just jump in towards a later season because, like, I don't have time to watch 11, 10, 11 seasons. It's something for, like for that. For the several... I, I've seen many of these seasons more than once already, so it's like, I don't need to be doing that. No. I had to and watch again, I'm, I'm just, past, yeah. like, season eight, and then I was on a plane last year, and, like, it was like, Bones, season 10, and I was like, mm-hmm. okay. And then I was like, when did they get two kids? Like... Yeah, yeah. See, I don't think I've seen that season then. Yeah, well, spoiler. Anyway, yeah, no, no more spoilers. I don't know anything I just else that watch, was going on. So I just want to watch the finale, and I want to feel, you know, I'm, I, you know, whatever. I don't need to talk about Bones again. But surprise, suffice it to say, it was just kind of funny. I was like, oh, God, now, now you've, uh, you've lapped me. <laughs> <laughs> now I have to commit to finishing it again. You got showed up. <laughs> I did. I'm very ashamed. Okay, so Into the Woods, a- a.k.a. the episode where Riley leaves. Yeah. I mean, I have not been looking forward to this episode in general. Um, 
And also, let me try can it. I interject and say now that I have actually seen the movie version of Into the Woods, I had that song in my head. <laughs> oh, funny. <laughs> I've never seen or listened to any of it. Um, okay, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about Riley. Yep. Uh, Riley's wearing a lot of turtlenecks in this episode, unsurprisingly. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but basically this one picks up where we left off. You know, Buffy's mom went into surgery for this brain tumor that she has. And so in this episode, the opening, you know, the opening scene is everybody waiting for her to get out of surgery and everybody's clearly stressed out and it's taking longer than they think it's supposed to. And everybody's really nervous, but luckily Joyce comes out of surgery and it seems as though everything has gone fine. So she seems to be feeling better. Everybody is relieved. Um, I mean, and it's great news. Like they did it. They took out her tumor and she's, they didn't, nothing went terribly awry in the process. Um, so Joyce is obviously still in the hospital, but Buffy finally can kind of take a night off where she doesn't have to be worried the whole time. Um, so she sends Dawn to Anya and Xander so that she and Riley can have some, you know, private time. And yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of awkward, it's, it's not awkward exactly, but like Buffy says some things about like, Riley says you never cried and Buffy says I cried a lot I'm getting into too much detail anyway so they kind of make up while Spike is watching (laughs) being the creep that he has been and he sees Riley leave after they fall asleep and he follows him and sees that he's going to this you know vampire den and getting his blood sucked by somebody so a little like the next day or something he basically goads Buffy into following him and he they catch Riley there um Buffy is obviously very upset uh Later, she and the Scoobies, well, she tries to get the Scoobies to help her take on the den, but they're no longer there. And she burns it down anyway. Um, meanwhile, um, Riley gets approached another again by the military guys, Graham and his, you know, commander or leader or whatever. Um, and they tell Riley, basically, they're going on this mission and they'd love to have him. Um, so... Buffy and Riley finally have it out. You know, they have a big argument. They kind of talk about everything and what went wrong. But Riley tells her, if you don't, I I have to leave tonight at midnight unless you give me a reason to stay. And Buffy lets him walk out. But later, uh, shortly thereafter, Xander finds her and basically talks. I don't I don't want to call it talk sense into her, but they have a conversation and Buffy decides that she does, in fact, want Riley. So she tries to chase him down. Um, and then in, you know, a dramatic twist, she gets there just seconds too late for Riley to hear her or turn around and he flies away on a helicopter and that's pretty much it. Oh, but then, uh, <laughs> per their conversation, Xander, that Buffy and Xander are having, Xander also goes back to Anya and basically tells her that he, he loves her, but in like a serious way that he, they kind of haven't really had before. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh. I have a lot to say about this episode. Me too. I don't know where I I want to start. (laughs) I don't either. But I guess I, uh, you know, I think this episode was really 50-50 for me. Like, I didn't hate the whole thing, but I think it's kind of, you know, it's everything that we've been talking about where it's like, randomly, they're bringing up these things like Dracula. And I was like, why are we even talking about that? Like, again, and it it took Riley and Buffy so long to get to the meat of what has actually been going wrong in their relationship, which is that she's pushing him away. You know, and he feels hurt over it. It's like, that wasn't even the thing that he led with in his defense for, like, going to this vampire brothel thing. You know, it was just so weird. I I struggled with this whole thing because I feel like I was equal parts, like, this is all a stupid retcon. Yeah. And equal parts, (laughs) like, I've seen this happening. I understand, like, that this is where these characters have gone. But I also even think on some level, 
like Xander's Xander's conversation with Buffy was the same way where it was like 50% yes, like exactly. I think you're right and 50% I don't think that's the correct like reason yeah. like you know Xander okay. goes off on this whole thing that like Angel really hurt her and that's why Buffy won't let Riley in but yeah. like all last season we saw Buffy letting Riley in so I yeah, don't understand yeah. where this is coming from but so but I think the part that really bugged me was like they're trying to take his visits to this like vampire house and like it's supposed to be some sort of metaphor for cheating but that doesn't really work because well it's, I it's like this with, one I don't agree with like, that I guess no, I think it works because it's super skeezy and it really felt like cheating to me <laughs> well that but part it does but like the way he's saying it like he's trying to say like oh that he need they need him or whatever like yeah that they need him yeah. or that he's doing it because she got bit by Dracula like as it's some sort of like revenge like none of that I know like, that didn't track at sense all to me and it was like well I think this is a case where they're really trying to create this metaphor where, like, we're yeah, using it just, demons as a metaphor for life. Right, and it's like, right. it just, I, I don't think saying. it works okay. that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. No, you're right. Well, especially because it seems as though the writers have had in their mind this whole time that Dracula was some sort of meaningful incident where it's like, I literally, he said the word Dracula and I was I like, forgot that I forgot that was even in this season. That episode was so inconsequential. Like, why would any plot line, why would you ever bring that up? And like, the whole thing was like, it was just so stupid. And it was so stupid to me that those, that was the first thing that he brought up. You know, if that had kind of come out, you know, like once you start arguing with someone, especially at a thing, a time like this, you do kind of start to pull, you know, some nonsense from left. You know what I mean? Like I can understand him getting into that in the course of their argument, but that that was pretty much his lead in. I was like, you've been harboring resentment over that this whole time. Meanwhile, not 15 minutes ago in this episode, did we have that scene after, you know, I, I kind of said it in the summary where like, okay, Buffy and Riley are like relaxing together after she's finally made it through this stressful ordeal with her mom. And she, he says to her, like, you didn't even, you were so strong. You didn't even cry. And then she was like, yeah, I cried a whole bunch. Like, why didn't he lead with that? That just happened. And that is way more indicative of what's been going wrong than well, anything that Dracula ever did to them. You know what I mean? And also, like, like, that's the biggest answer of what's wrong here is, like, exactly. Buffy is, she's is not- doing everything on her own because that's what she thinks she's supposed to do, and Riley really desperately wants to be the shoulder that she cries right, on. Right, right, like, right, right. It was just like, I guess, yeah, I think this is kind of what you were saying, though, or it was like, if this, overall, this episode was just very unsatisfying. Like, I didn't hate it. I don't, it's not a terrible episode, but it they spent as much time talking about things that I considered to be complete nonsense as they did talking about things that were kind of meaningful. And I just don't understand why they went in that direction. Like even if they really wanted to make, make us not like Riley and go through this kind of thing where they paint him as sort of a cheater, but as if their argument had just been about the real things, I think I wouldn't have hated it as much, you know, and I don't hate it, but you know what I mean? Like, I think I could have saved it a little bit, if Riley had said, you didn't even tell me, you know, he did eventually say, you didn't even tell your mom was in the hospital. But like, why wasn't that the first thing that he said? You haven't been around this for months. You think that I will just come at your beck and call and you're not including me in anything that's important to you. Like all of those were things that he should have started with instead of being, those were the trailing argument that he made. And it was And like, the only person who actually said that to her was Xander, which yeah, is true. Exactly. But yeah. like, it's, I, I thought that was like, okay. I do think Xander is really great in this episode. Like, I, I agree. This is, I think an example of Xander stepping up and kind of doing surprisingly I, some of the like emotional I, I, heavy lifting. Well, and I want to talk about Xander separately, so don't. I do, but yeah. I'm just saying like his like some of the things he was saying to Buffy are things that like Riley could have been saying, but right, like Riley's right. reasonings didn't make any sense. Buffy's no. reactions were like 
she shouldn't be this bewildered and surprised like that he hasn't she really shouldn't. although i kind of believe that obliviousness in her i think that is kind of a character flaw yeah but Buffy. like if if what riley's saying is true and she's like pushing him away then on some level you're aware that you're doing it like you're not just like sitting in the hospital and like oh it's weird that my boyfriend's not here it's like mm. oh i don't know i, I think she was him. that oblivious like, i but i guess you're right I don't she know, shouldn't but I have feel been like so surprised, I guess. Neither Riley nor Buffy seem to really understand... What's been going what's, wrong. Yeah, what's going on. Because, like, Riley... Like, Buffy's too focused on this, like, vampire thing. Mm-hmm. And Riley's reasons for it are just bewildering. But, like, yeah. it's really not the thing that's been happening. Like, we've been talking about this whole time. Right, that like, they've been laying this beautiful groundwork of a, yes, of a relationship. And then they just Gradually growing this, apart and then trying to, yeah, trying to put these supernatural spins on it that just don't make sense. I think what happened is they were like, oh, we have this natural relationship drama where people just kind of grow apart. But, oh, remember how we're a monster show? We have yeah, to like exactly. bring in some kind of monster to this. And it's like, it just feels, that's what I was talking about, feels like a really bad retcon. Because well, and even, yeah, and like, I kind of skimming some internet a little bit before we recorded this, it does seem like they decided that Riley and her were too boring. And then that's why they ultimately broke them up and wrote them off the show, which... It's just so painfully obvious watching this season, you know? It's like, you gotta just, you got to figure out a way to make it more organic in the show if this is what you want to happen. And they've been so close. You know, they're just seconds away from making this a perfect and totally fine breakup, and instead they just have to put this weird stuff on it. Also, like, here's the issue. Relationships that work are boring. Like, I'm sorry, yeah. but they are. Like, they yeah. don't make for riveting television. And, sure. like... Then, then if, if you don't want that, then don't give your character a boyfriend. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, like all this other stuff that we've been talking and commenting on, it's here. Like Riley doesn't leave because Buffy doesn't love him. Like the ultimate reason, that's the reason he like doesn't think he, that's like one less reason to stay. But like mm-hmm. he, as soon as that guy is telling him you're we have a high risk mission in Belize and yeah. we want you to go, Riley's already out the door. Like this yeah. is why Riley's leaving is because he wants to go be needed. Like yeah. he wants to yeah. go somewhere and not even needed emotionally. He wants to go somewhere and be needed to run a mission and like yeah. be the person that they decide they can't do the mission without. And they're telling yeah. him all of this. Yeah. Like that's even true. if Buffy had like run up to the copter in time and he sees her, like, I don't know. Like Yeah, it wouldn't have worked out anymore. No. I mean Riley's I'm glad not that happy she being doesn't... second best. Yeah. But not even second best, like, they don't even include him really in tactical things anymore in this season. You know, like, he really hasn't been part of the missions. Yeah. Um, so well, the other thing is, like, what has Riley been doing for work? Like, is he still a TA? Like, what? Like, maybe his know. problem is that he <laughs> lost unemployed. the initiative and, like, didn't replace it with anything and yeah, thought his relationship probably. was going to fill all the holes in his life. I mean, I think he definitely thought that. And I think that's another good, like, organic way for them to grow apart that doesn't require vampires sucking on him. Um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, oh, I guess the other thing that's just really tough about this episode, and I, I get it that they get they get these ideas in their head, but and they just wanted Riley off the show, I guess, that badly. But like the whole ultimatum situation is like it does really make it a lot harder to side with either of them because I it's not fair for Buffy to find all of this out and have to make the decision to forgive him and work through it in, like, the span of 24 hours. You know what I mean? Like, if, if this was ever going to have a chance, she just needed more time to sit with it. Like, I, I do... It's it's just such an unfair position to put her in. And I don't think... You know, he's not doing it on purpose. That is the offer that he got, and he has to take it. But it, it's, you know, it's just so contrived 
for us, the viewers to be like, well, she's got to come make it up. You know, it's like, that's just not how life works. That's really unfair to have this pretty big betrayal and be, and not just say you need to get over it, but well, say you need to get over it immediately or else this is done. And on some level, doesn't it seem like Riley taking the situation to his advantage and like twisting it so that now it's all Buffy's fault that he it's left. It's true. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like he, the timing isn't into it is it's the timing of all of this isn't really anyone's fault but Buffy, yeah. but Riley certainly uses it to his advantage so that he can be the one to leave and feel like he got dumped when really he's the one giving her making the decision to leave that's a great yeah. point and they do really spin it that way for a long time as though she let him leave you know or yeah. I feel like they do I mean Sigh. so on a side note though are the army guys still in Sunnydale because like I guess because of the alien thing? Yeah. Like, I think so. Supposedly they're still investigating this alien thing, probably. Well, I think it was more so that like they they're, now they're waiting for their next mission and planning it. And the okay. next mission is in Belize. I, I think that kind of checks out. You know, they were here on a mission. I, I don't know that they have... I guess they might have a home base somewhere else that would make sense for them to return to. But I think it, it's not so unbelievable to me that like this is only like the next day, right? Because Buffy's mom is in surgery. Yeah. You yeah. know, it hasn't been that long that I think they should have moved on. Yeah. Um... There's a couple things I want to note about this whole scenario, though, that I I did like, just, like, some of the, like, staging of it is, like... Mm, okay. So, in the premiere, we see Buffy, like, sneaking out of bed to go hunting. Oh, And, yeah. like, this was a total reversal of that, where Riley mm-hmm. is the one, like, sneaking out of bed to, like, well, I guess go hunting, but for a different kind mm-hmm. of reason. But, um, but also, on a different note, like, Buffy and Riley, I think... The, the thing that they do well in this episode, like as annoying as all of the contrived reasons that we've talked about before, mm-hmm. Buffy and Riley are pretty much equally acting like the same level of irrational. Like neither true. of them in this episode are making a lot of sense. It's like, true. Buffy finds out Riley is like going to vampire houses and getting bit. Mm-hmm. And she is being awful to her friends. She's like storming in, burning down buildings. And Riley's like, running after Spike and, like, staking him with a plastic (laughs) spike and all this. Like, neither of them are acting normal. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. And, like, maybe we're supposed to think it's the stress of, like, their relationship imploding, but really it's, like, these people just, like, they're... I mean, Buffy's actions to me seem, like... Okay, yes, you've been stressed that your mom is in the hospital and, like, you're finally ready to relax and then this, like, thing hits you in the face. But, like, her reaction is, like don't stop me, I want to throw a tantrum. Like, yeah. it's really annoying, I have to say. Yeah. I yeah, mean, not I that it's not it. warranted, I'm just saying. It was like, watching it, like, she's being so mean to Xander. And yeah, he she's doesn't pretty deserve mean to- it. <laughs> That's true. For once, he doesn't deserve it. Um, well, so let's talk about Xander, because I think that was the thing that I was the most surprised uh, at my reaction to, because in my memory, this was an instance uh, against this is the thing that goes against Sander, this conversation. Um, I think because I, the way that I remembered it was him putting a lot more direct blame on Buffy. Um, and he did do that a little bit, but he did it a lot less than I thought. And then, and then I think the bigger thing that kind of swayed this positively for me is that he really is the only person. He really did notice that something was wrong and then try and do his best to help her, you know, like not again, it's not flawless. I don't think his, his, some of the things that he puts kind of on her are a little bit unfair, but I think, um, and also I think, again, I think I kind of remember him saying like, you can't let Riley go. He's the perfect person. And really what he said was you need to make a decision and then 
make, you know, and then follow through on it. You need to either decide you want to be with him or decide you don't want to be with him and make, and then make a choice, which I think it was very good advice. Well, I think, um, I think it comes across that way at first glance. You're right. But I think you're right also that the, it's, it's, if you really think about it, he's not fully blaming her. Like he's saying like, mm-mm. maybe these things are true that Riley is saying that you haven't fully right, right. embraced him and all of this. And then also that you're treating him like he's supposed to be this temporary guy when this entire time he's been showing you how he's right. not that guy. Yeah. yeah. And like, I don't think that that's wrong. And I think he's like Xander seeing that, mm-hmm. you know, as someone who like kind of wanted to be that guy for Buffy at one mm-hmm. point. And mm-hmm. um, I think that it's good that he's saying, but I also think like when he's, it sounds like he's blaming her. I think what he's saying really is like, okay, so Riley gave you this ultimatum, but like, so what? Just yeah, yeah, take it. Like, yeah, if that's yeah. what you really want, then just who cares how it came about? Just take it, you know? Right. And what like, is, I love when he's like saying like, well, why wouldn't you? Like, why wouldn't you accept it? Like, if that's mm-hmm. what you really want. I, I think what it was, and like, oof, sort of twi- in a twist, what is frustrating again about the way that that, the end of that conversation is that Buffy makes the decision to go after Riley. Cause I'm like, I think Xander very clearly said, if you don't love him anymore, you need to let him go. And I think it's so clear that Buffy is still making a decision about him and also maybe doesn't any love him anymore. You know, I don't know. I'm a little bit puzzled that she decides to go after him. And I think that they, again, I think that felt a lot more like the writers just trying to make this really dramatic ending and also maybe to make us feel like Buffy really like to kind of not make her the bad guy, but like, it's also okay to not to break up with someone that you don't want to be in a relationship with anymore, you know? So it just like a little bit odd to me. I don't love that kind of like you got there seconds too late. Like it was a little bit cliche and was a little bit not true. I think to the decision that Buffy really should have made, which was she should let him go. And then she can still be sad about it. You know, it's not unsad to lose, you know, to lose a friend in a relationship, but I don't know. I no, I totally agree with you. I like I get I do get really sad when like Riley doesn't look back and like see her, but like mm-hmm. also at the same time, like I don't blame him for not looking back once he's yeah. decided that she's not coming. Yeah. And I do think that the thing that would have made that work so much better is if we also know that she's not coming. Like yeah. her like yeah. sprint through yeah. the woods is yeah. like it doesn't so make silly. any sense given her previous actions. Like yeah. it's like she has to decide at the last second that like Xander's right. Maybe I haven't given this a chance. I've got to go give this a chance. And it's like I honestly think she doesn't want to do that. So just yeah, let yeah. him go. Like I think, I think she that would have been a much more interesting choice. And yeah. Again, not like what would have made this interesting is if they had just depicted quietly in the background of this show a relationship that ran its course, you know, like it didn't have to all be vampires all the time. Like, yeah, and they do sometimes really do that stuff well, which is, again, why, like, you know, or alternately, usually the metaphors are more salient. And this one is just like everything about this is just so sloppy and so clearly contrived. And I haven't changed my mind about that, I guess. After this current viewing, I still feel like. There was a lot of good stuff and they really did Riley a disservice. Like, I think this was a really unsatisfying send off for a character that I didn't hate, you know? And even if I hated him, you could still write him a better ending than this, I think. You know, but he, des- think he deserved that. <laughs> the reasons that I thought I hated Riley was because it ends like this. Like, yeah. I, and, and, but like watching it this time, I'm like, none of this makes any sense. Like, it Riley doesn't. going yeah. to these, like, it's basically a it brothel. It is. It doesn't make like sense. Whatever. And like, also, why wouldn't he just flirt with a normal girl? Yeah, <laughs> you know, I, like if he was feeling that unsatisfied with what he's not getting from Buffy, it's not unbelievable to me that he would at least talk to another woman and be like, oh, maybe I like attention. You know what I mean? Like, that's not yeah. 
uh, what? Why would he but go to this place? But maybe that's just the thing of like you were saying, like the writers were saying that they thought they were boring, so they had to end them, and it's like they, yeah. They, they so then they decided that like up the drama, a normal ending that makes sense would have been too boring, so they have to throw in all this other crap, and it's like it doesn't it doesn't really work. No. Um, also, it just like. <sighs> The other frustrating thing, and I know this is, like, surface level, but, like, Buffy runs to the helicopter pad. Yeah. Like, this would have been a great time for Buffy to drive a car. Yeah, that's true. Also, she didn't know where he was leaving from or, like, really what time. There's, like, a lot of, like, fuzzy details that were conveyed to her that are, like, I don't know how you found him. <laughs> yeah. I guess, I, you know, Alex said that to me when we were watching it. I was like, there's probably only one helipad in, or helicopter pad in Sunnydale. But they did, they were just leaving from the dirt. <laughs> She so had to spend tw- 10 of her 20 minutes getting Willow to, like, look up town schematics. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, but, yeah, uh, surprised at how insightful, for the most part, Xander was. I think he did a little bit of, you know, blaming her for things that weren't her fault. And I think he did kind of step into, you know, he doesn't know what either of them are feeling. And he did kind of assume that he knew more than he did. But I think ultimately he saw that his friend was suffering and stepped in to try and help. And I think he was the only one that did. And I got, you know, credit where credit's due. Xander really took a turn in season four. And I hope, I hope that this lasts. (laughs) I mean, I think this is a great instance where we notice that Buffy and Willow aren't that close anymore because Mm, Willow has no idea that any of this is happening. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not exactly clear where she is or what. She wasn't really in this episode. Um, Yeah. But yeah. But it's because this, this turns out to be Xander's episode. It's true. I mean, and I did, I appreciated that scene with him and Anya. She's wearing a ridiculous nightgown. I don't know why they dressed her in that, but otherwise that scene was very sweet. Um, and I guess I hadn't really realized that, like, I kind of thought that he already made his big declaration to her in um, Hush, because that is kind of the time where she's like, are we just boning or are we in a relationship? But I guess it is nice to still see him recommit to something. No, but I think it's like this whole situation with Buffy and Riley made him realize, like, you I might can't take it for that granted. You've made this clear, but mm-hmm. if you haven't, and so I think he was like, "I'm going to take this opportunity in case I haven't already done this." Right, right. Make it to really be clear. clear to you that yeah. this is a real relationship that I yeah. am in love with you. That you like, and I think for Anya, especially, like, always feels a little bit outcast from the group. Yeah, and so like she was obviously like very happy to hear that. Yeah. Um, and also, Anya killed it in this episode. Also, this kind of whole season, she keeps just making me laugh really hard. Or, like, like the whole scene with them and Dawn, she was so funny and amusing and just charming. Like, I just really... You, you're right. I know that initially I was very, like... I mean, and I think there are a lot of problematic issues... Uh, there's problematic tones to her, her bigger piece in this Buffy universe. But other than that, she's a delightful character. And I think they've really, you know, giving her more screen time has been, like a great asset. (laughs) I'm happy that she's in the show. Also, let's talk about uh, Spike and Riley's little conversation. I didn't hate that, oddly. (laughs) I think I should have, but it didn't. I don't know. It was silly, but you sound like you're about to say you don't like it. Well, (laughs) okay, first of all, it's gross that Spike is, like, watching. Oh, totally, yeah. From outside the house while she and Riley are having sex. It's also kind of, like, I don't know what Riley... Okay, like, obviously we know Spikes had a transformation of his feelings for Buffy, but it's Mm -hmm. weird that Riley picked up on it because I feel like otherwise Spike is sort of acting the same. But... I don't... I mean, he's... I I don't know. I kind of buy it, but I guess... I, I actually... I like their conversation because I think Spike has a point of, like, yeah. you know, he doesn't have any illusions about right. 
what it means. Like, like yeah, he might th- have these feelings for Buffy, but, like, he has no illusions that they're going to be returned or that he can do anything about them. Yeah. And he's kind of frustrated with Riley for being, like... Having her Allowed in- to have mm-hmm. reciprocal feelings with Buffy and, like, throwing it away, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And, but I, I do think, like... Spike is painting this as like I just wanted you to know what was going on. Oh, but like of course that's a lie. He totally has yeah. selfish reasons for showing he me does. Buffy. I, I did actually like the way that he uh, that, that James Marsters acted that scene too, though, because he he clearly like I think Spike the monster, you know, who doesn't quite have his bearings on human morality, really did think that she was gonna be like grateful that he you know I think he really kind of had this like maybe she'll be so happy that I did this that she'll run into my arms and the look on his face when she was like clearly just so upset was was I think a really good like not only was he sad that he like kind of caused her sadness but also like oh this isn't how that worked at all you know I don't know I feel like he played it really well it was like very short subtle scene but I liked it yeah like he thought he was gonna get more gratitude yeah and like of course you weren't you jerk you're obviously doing this for selfish reasons and you're obviously doing a terrible thing I mean it you know, I don't know. I mean, I guess I think there's a lot of debate about who wants to know what in their relationships and who has the responsibility to tell them. But I obviously they're not going to be grateful to you for telling them terrible things, at least not in the moment. Another little fun thing in the background was, you know, they were at the um, magic shop for like a second and Giles is setting up his holiday display and it was like Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa are coming. <laughs> and then there was a the thing that said like, Gurnthar's ascendance. <laughs> I thought that was just like a really funny gag in the background. Can't leave out any of the holidays. Yeah. Winter solstice was another one. Um, yeah, I just, I still very frustrated, but. It's frustrating, I think, for, I think what we've been saying is, is especially, you know, because there's so much that is, they're just so close to doing this right, that it's like, I don't hate the whole thing. I don't hate that they break up. I don't hate that he goes back to the military. So it's like so much of this is so close to making sense, you know? Ugh. Yeah, so and, and so I think far. it's more frustrating this time around because, like, in the last, watching the last season and a half, I really, like, talked myself into really liking Riley. Yeah, <laughs> me too. And I think, I, you know, I... And I ag- feel like he didn't get a, like, I, did, I feel like he didn't get his due. I sort of agree with you that r- r- normal, really, you know, healthy relationships can be boring, but they don't have to be. And I think there have been a lot of examples in the last couple years of shows making that work a lot better. And so it's like, it is, if, if you needed to run them off, you can run them off in a normal way. And if not, then maybe challenge yourself to make, find some way to make this well, interesting. <laughs> you by know? boring, I mean, like, if you're depicting, like, a normal, stable, comfortable relationship, it's probably not going to be fuel for, like, all the drama. No. And I think that's what they want. Is like It is. The first few seasons, they wrote this, like, Angel Buffy drama. Okay, and, fair like, enough. And they got used to having the main... And love interest be, like, the source of all this drama. And, like, Riley wasn't supposed to be that. Like, yeah. he, he wasn't introduced that way. He wasn't sta- He wasn't kept on that way. So then to turn around and call him boring, it's like... Right. He yeah, wrote of him. course he is. Because, <laughs> yeah. like, he's, he's not supposed to be a source of drama for Buffy. So, like, by boring, I mean, like, if you're looking... Like, right. Okay. It's okay to write them that way if he's just, like, a source of, like comfort or comedy or like whatever mm-hmm. but but they also never gave Riley anything to do Clear other than to be do. Buffy's boyfriend like he That's didn't true. really develop any relationships with anyone else in the group he didn't like have any other purpose for being there and I think that's the problem is they haven't written the character they didn't, yeah. well Wait, enough to give him a reason to be there. It's funny though I think you also kind of hit on a good point there which is that I think they just have gotten so used to Buffy's relationship being the the primary drama that now they don't know what to do when it's not. I mean, they obviously have no one to blame but themselves. 
And I do think that one season of Riley is the right timeline for him. You know, I just, anyway, I don't have anything new to say, but yeah, I do think that they did kind of, oh, we'll remedy this by writing her a normal boyfriend where things work out. But then they're like, oh, we don't know what to do with this anymore. Yeah, we don't know why this person's here. Yeah, I was like, never well, mind you... that one of your main characters has no reason for being there, but that's okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Xander, you're finding some use for Xander. Willow's barely been in this season, so like, you're not you're not struggling with a lot of people right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's true. Willow hasn't. She'll really, be in the. Next I mean, she'll thing. she has a bigger presence coming in the later half, but mm-hmm. it is like noticeable that Willow's been prominently featured. Less. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> So, all right, well, should we head into Angel? We should. I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah, let's talk about Reunion. Let's talk about Reunion. Because this was both the episode I remembered and not. (laughs) (laughs) I, I, it has been, I think we've mentioned before, like, I have only, I have, neither of us has watched Angel as much as we've watched Buffy, Mm -hmm. and I have this habit of, like, mushing episodes together in Mm -hmm. my brain. Same. Um, Yeah, but anyway, so we know at the end of the last episode, like, Drusilla turned Darla, and now we're waiting to see the consequences of that. Like, Mm -hmm. Gunn finds Angel in the the motel room and brings him back to the hotel, and Angel's, like, exhausted from the trial, delirious, and, like, really upset that Darla was turned, and so eventually the story comes out that Drusilla came and turned Darla, and now he's got to figure out where she's keeping her until she rises as a vampire fortunately he gets a tip from Lindsay's building manager who (laughs) or someone who had somehow met drusilla who was talking about getting the nursery ready for the birth Mm -hmm. um this might have been my favorite joke of the whole episode (laughs) but anyway because trying to like i love what she's like this is getting into the weeds but she's like she's really thin that can't be good for the baby yeah Anyway, she's talking about a different kind of nursery. Mm -hmm. So they figure out that there's some Wolfram & Hart controlled nursery that she's probably keeping Darla in where she's going to bury her and then have her reborn under the stars and all kinds of stuff. Angel arrives a little bit too late and Darla escapes and um, she heads straight to Wolfram & Hart where Angel, like, no. I've talked myself out of things. Angel goes to Wolfram and Hart and yeah. encounters uh, Lindsay and Lila and um, their boss, whose name mm-hmm. is escaping me at the moment. And oh, he yeah. tells them that, sorry, love to stay and chat, but I can't. I've got a wine tasting at my house or whatever. Mm-hmm. Then Darla shows up at some point, or maybe this happened first. I'm so sorry. <laughs> at Wolfram and Hart, but... She she takes Drusilla and she leaves. They go on a killing spree, like they go shopping, kill some sales girls, get some clothes, and then this Wolfman Hart guy. What is his name? Is it like Harlan or it's something with an H? I wrote it yeah. down at some point. Mm. I it's escaping me. Anyway, this big honcho guy from Wolfman Hart boss. calls and he says, "Hey, what about? Did you say Haas? I said the boss. <laughs> oh, why oh, are you wasting your time killing sales girls?" Why don't you go and just do it right and do a full-scale massacre? Mm -hmm. And so Darla's like, sure, why don't we do that? Meanwhile, the police get involved because obviously that some murder has been committed. Angel shows up at the store and Kate is there and or Mm -hmm. Kate has arrested him. Oh, my God. I told you I could do this. I lied. Okay. (laughs) Kate has shown up and arrested Angel after breaking into Wolfram and Hart. 
they get the call about them killing the girls in the store, mm-hmm. and Kate decides to let Angel go because, she, as he tells her, like, they're not done yet, and she believes that he's the only one who can stop them. So mm-hmm. we see Kate kind of coming around to this idea that, like, Angel is on the, the right side of things, even if she doesn't really understand. Mm-hmm. But Angel... So this is when Angel tracks down at the store and finds out that there's a girl in the dressing room who heard them talking about going to a tasting. So Angel puts things together and realizes that Darla and um, Drusilla have gone to, I think Holland is his name, Mm -hmm. they've gone to his house because all the Wolfram and Hart people are going to be there at this wine tasting. And since he did suggest a massacre, they've decided... Well, hey, let's not let's just massacre all the lawyers. And obviously, mm-hmm. we can see this is Darla's revenge for what has been done to her. Mm-hmm. So, Angel shows up. They've already started like taunting the guests. They've they haven't killed, but they've bitten Holland's wife. And it, you kind of see Angel standing there at the door, and they all say, "Hey, aren't you going to help us?" And mm-hmm. he's like, "I don't see why I should." And yeah. walks away, <laughs> locks them in the room with Darla and Drusilla goes back to the hotel, tells everybody what he did. They're all obviously stunned and shocked and horrified, and then he fires everyone. I forgot about the firing. I see. So the massacre and the firing, I forgot, was this episode, because I Mm -hmm. remembered a massacre, but I forgot that it was done by Drusilla and Darla. And as soon as they headed into the wine cellar, I went, oh my god, I forgot that massacre was this massacre yeah. <laughs> in this episode. Obviously, it rattled my brain a bit. I'm really sorry about that recap. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I mean, this one was a little bit convoluted because there was a lot of back and forth to like, but we're back at Wolfram, we're back at the apartment, well, we're back in the house, the we're back in the same place, here. but yeah. like, I can't remember what order they're going in. I'll, yeah, whatever. The beginning of this episode was very boring to me, and but I have to say... I don't know why I ever doubted her. Drusilla is the bomb. Like, I loved her. She was flawless. She made this whole episode work for me. Yes. I just can't believe I didn't remember that, I guess. Like, I knew that she came back into Angel, and I remember her and Darla having this, like, thing where they pal around for a while, but that was pretty much what I remembered. But, like, also, she just made Darla so much... All of the problems with Darla are so much more obvious when I can see how a thing could work, you know? But I don't know. Yeah. I just think it was a really smart decision because I think like what we've said a lot is that like what what's hard for me is caring about this past relationship that Darla and Angel are supposed to have had. Um, but what Drusilla immediately kind of fixes that because instead of trying to focus on the romance angle, which is not working, they kind of focus on this like family dynamic, which she sells, I think. So it's like instantly I cared maybe 100% more than I, than I did before, you know, about like what's going on. And it's not that I care... It's not like I really get this, like, you know, what, I don't know. I just feel like they're drawing on a more powerful history because Drusilla is a character that we know, and Juliet Landau is just way better at this, you know? I don't well, know. yes. I mean, part <laughs> of that is that never forget that Juliet Landau as Drusilla is one of the best performances on either show. Yeah, she's just and great. Oh. bringing her back is immediately great. I mean, like, she's... We see Drusilla as Drusilla intentionally trying to join the 20th century, as she says, <laughs> a century later than yeah. she should be. But you know, she's she's dressing normally. She's got a cell phone, like all this stuff, but she's still Drusilla. Mm-hmm. And I think we talked about this a bit when we saw the flashback episodes. Mm-hmm. Darla and Angel don't work, but no, Darla yeah. playing off of Drusilla is amazing. Like, because Darla is this, like, kind of no-nonsense killer, has ideas of how things can work, Mm, and Drusilla mm -hmm. is such a loose cannon. And we even see in this episode, like, 
you can see Darla kind of enjoying yeah. Like, the fun that it can be to hang out with Drusilla, but also a little exasperated by her, like, shenanigans Antics, yeah. and, like, whatever. <laughs> her but, just indecipherableness. Yeah, but that immediately works so much better than whatever they were trying to do with Angel. And also, Darla Vampire is way more interesting than human Darla. That's true. I mean, but I think Julie Benz, like, plays evil Darla way better than, like, I, desperate, sad Darla. I mean, that's true, but she's still didn't work that well for me. And I think, again, like, there were... Okay, so there's this, you know... Well, I I don't want to get ahead of myself, but, like, okay, so they had a... uh, Drusilla and Darla, at once Darla is reborn, they all have a fight in the nursery. And that was pretty cool, because we also haven't gotten to see Drusilla or Darla ever really be strong vampires. You know, Drusilla, we've only seen that one time she had that fight with Kendra, but the rest of the time, she was more or less, like, too sick to, to be a strong vampire. So it was like, I really enjoyed that scene. But then later... Um, Darla and Drusilla start fighting because Darla is kind of like having this like big turmoil about, you know, they've been, she's been getting this 180 spin just back and forth. So um, anyway, all I'm trying to say is that they're fighting on the street and there's like this scene where Drusilla is like giving kind of a monologue and then Darla reacted to it. And I was like, as soon as she opened her mouth, I was like, oh my God, that sounded so stagey. Like it was just so much worse. And Drusilla has a harder job because she's saying things that are a lot more outlandish and a lot less sensical. You know what I mean? But like, she's still conveying like a lot of interesting emotion. She doesn't ever let it get just like, she's never just playing straight, you know, over the top, you know, like, I guess I'm just saying like her character could be so much more easily over the top and she does such a good job of keeping it ever just so grounded enough. Yeah, I guess I just want to talk about how I love Drusilla. <laughs> no, and I, just, I think she just really wants right the floor with everyone else. It's interesting how Drusilla comes in in one episode and immediately has way more motivation. Yeah, than, than the anybody. last six episodes, like, <laughs> because like she, you, like they have to explain in very little time why the hell Drusilla would come in and agree to do this. But mm-hmm. like as we've seen in the flashbacks, as as we know, Drusilla loves being part of this family. She does, And so yeah. she views Darla as her grandmother and Angel as her father in a way. And she just wants to get the gang back together. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's so much more compelling. Yeah. When we, to the point where, like, even when she's talking about Angel and she's like, oh, I thought it was daddy, but daddy never comes. Yeah, yeah, she misses disappointed him. that it's yeah. always, like, Angel. good Angel. But then mm-hmm. when Angel shows up and locks him in the room, I love it. She's like daddy's here like yeah yeah like this is sort of evil angel and drusilla like that's all drusilla wants is to like have the family together yeah but again it's just like we understand that so much better because we've seen a lot of flashbacks and because she's just and it's because just the more flashbacks interesting show us what they say they're showing like yeah these flashbacks that are supposed to show us this like epic romance love that darla yeah. has for angel like it only it doesn't yeah. work because it's clearly one-sided like mm-hmm. angelus has no feelings for darla but like and then Angel has no feelings for Darla, but like we don't understand why Darla has these. You know, yeah, it's like, yeah, exactly. It just never works. So like we never really see evidence of it. It's like the worst example of like telling instead of showing. Right. right. Yeah. Exactly. But Drusilla makes so much more sense. She does. Like if Drusilla had come in as a villain to be dealt with, I would be for it. Like. Yeah. Yeah. But. Um. So another thing that I thought was really notable because we had kind of talked about this last week is so again Darla and Drusilla are having this like showdown on this on a street in L.A. Because Darla's mad at what everybody keeps forcing these really dramatic, you know, life, actual life altering decisions on her without any of her say so. Um, 
And I appreciate that they kind of let them play that out. But then at some point, you know, Drusilla says to her, like, I thought this is what you wanted. And I thought she's the first person that at all considered what Darla wanted, you know? Yes. And and, and goes back to what we were saying last time, how nobody cares what Darla wants. Yeah. And I'm sure that a part of it is still Drusilla acting in her own interest. You know, she clearly does also want this. And maybe that's clouding her judgment, but at least she said it. You know, she's literally the only one who has said, I care at all what you want, you know? And I think that she was hurt that Darla's reaction wasn't what she expected because she did think she was doing the right thing, you know, for them. But well, yeah, and I, think I appreciated that. Darla recognized that. Like, I that's think that's the, the turning thing that point. makes yeah. her kind of calm down and like, you exactly. know, yeah. take care of Drew because Drusilla is really upset that like Darla is upset because she doesn't understand. And, and part of it too is like, obviously Wolfram and Hart probably told her she this wants this. Yeah. Yeah. Darla wanted that's and true. Drusilla bought it. But I mean, she's so clearly, truthful when she says mm-hmm, that whereas mm-hmm. everybody else is like you know you don't want this you want this other thing mm-hmm. but yeah it's, that's a good point I, I didn't really think about that um also Drusilla everything that Drusilla said was amazing they go into yes. the wine tasting slash people tasting and <laughs> Lila says so she tells Lila that she has beautiful skin and Lila says I moisturize and Drusilla says that was very thoughtful of you like everything <laughs> everything out of her mouth was a gem and was perfect also she looked so good in this episode like not that that is a measure of anything but I was just like when she came on the screen then like uh Holland told her like oh you're radiant and I was like honestly she is like he's not even BSing her like <laughs> she just looks so cool I don't they know they got her out of those her like hair musty per- dresses yeah like her hair was perfect she had cool makeup like I don't know she just everything about this was just, she was so perfect yay something that I like <laughs> okay but one one quibble I did have because this goes all the way back to welcome to the hellmouth right mm-hmm. where Buffy's explaining how vampires work and how when you're when you're born as a vampire, like there's a demon that like has your memories and sure. like can make it seem like you, but it's like not you. So like if Darla is reborn again as a vampire, wouldn't theoretically it be like a different vampire demon because like the other one? I mean, I think that it would, but I honestly, at this point, I think that I that know has been honestly so at this point dis- I gotta let that yeah, go. That but is, I'm just I like, don't think anyone in the Buffy universe even thinks that that's true anymore, I, including Buffy. I think that was what 16 year old Buffy in season one thought, but she knows better now. I hope. So you think the retcon is that Buffy just didn't know better? I think the retcon is that she was a young slayer, newly introduced to this world, and the Watchers were the one telling her things, and that's how they told it to her. Okay. I'll buy that. But I think that all of them would have gained so much more experience that they would agree that that's not true anymore, you know? Yeah. I do think that she thought that, and I'm sure that that's what Giles first said to her, was like, this is how it works, so you don't have to feel bad about it. And I think only, yeah. It is a little bit of a retcon, but I also think, like, the show didn't have its mythology worked out. They didn't know they were going to have all these spinoffs and seasons, but I think it makes sense. I think it does make sense as a retcon in that it could be that something that, that you're saying, like, they wanted to tell Buffy to protect her from this idea that she's killing people that well, she might and because know. the Watcher's Council wants to manipulate her into doing their bidding, so I think they tell right. her what they want her to what they want her to know or think. No, I think, th- okay, that's what I'll tell myself. I'm still going to raise these quibbles because it, it's yeah. so frustrating. But so I, but just like generally, I want to talk about that based on everything we were saying before about like everyone taking these decisions from Darla mm-hmm. and all of this, I do truly love that Darla gets her revenge. I like, agree with that. I mean, they that's bring the her reason. back yes. and they <laughs> manipulate her and they make her do all these things to try to manipulate Angel and none of it works. And the end result is Darla repeatedly is denied what she wants. Mm-hmm. She's not turned into a vampire by Angel. 
then she decides she doesn't want to be a vampire. Then she finds out she's dying. And then she finds out that Lindsay, like, forces her to be a vampire. Yeah. And all of this happens. And then the first thing she does as soon as she rises is she goes back to Wolfram and Hart and she says, guess what? I'm going to eat all of yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. No. And I love it. Like, I, I, I know the outcome of this, but I'm also, like, rooting for it entirely. And I... It's unfortunate that she kind of takes Angel down this dark path with her, but mm-hmm. him shutting them in that room I, with yeah, Darla and Drusilla, I don't and I'm like, you deserve nothing less. They like, do. They deserve everything they got. And it's hard. It's, it is a little... Yeah. I, I, do, I, I do hope that like Angel calls 911 for Holland's wife, because I don't think she truly deserves what she got. But True. Yeah. And it, it is inter- it's very interesting that that ends with him... I don't know what I want to say. I guess... The, the thing that I forgot when we were talking about the last episode and I've been getting so frustrated with Angel is that, like, I kind of forgot that they were going, you know, that they were setting something up. I think we maybe even talked about it a little bit. But, like, they are going something somewhere with this, which is that he is in a state of distress, if not something else. You know, I'm not sure exactly what it is that he's battling with, but it is something is going wrong that he needs to deal with. And so in that regard, I, it is a little bit more understandable that he's kind of making bad and destructive decisions. Um... I'm getting a little bit lost, but I guess, I don't know. I, I'm of two minds no, that, I think- like, I get what they're setting up, and I know that Cordelia and Wesley and Gunn are right to question him about it and to tell him this is too far, but at the same time, like, how cool is it that he kind of, it would be cool if they let him be a dark hero, <laughs> you know? Like, he doesn't always have to be 100% moral, because that's just more interesting, right? I don't know. Yeah. I kind of wish no, they like, let this play out as like, yeah, we see why you did that. Let's go on. <laughs> you're right in remembering that there turns out to be some sort of reason for all of this. But like as of right now, at the end of this episode, I agree with you that it is pleasant on some level to watch Angel just be like done with everything. Like he yeah. is just tired of being the hero. He's tired of trying and having it not work out. Like don't but forget don't in the last episode, he just went through that like ridiculous trial right, just to, to find out that all. nothing That's could true. happen. But it's so, like, not even that done. Though, not and even he's done he's, with the. I think he's done with the responsibility. Like everybody's like, sure. you have to take care of Darla and Drusilla. You have to do this. And I think he's kind of like, no, I don't. And then he has all these people telling him, well, this is why this is wrong. And so the easy thing is like, he's just like, well, then you're fired. Like, mm-hmm. and that's not the reason for like we'll find out. But like, right now at the end of this episode, I was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I do. I guess a little bit. It's not even just that though. Is that like I? It's not that I think it's satisfying to see him not give up, but kind of say, like, I'm done with this. I think that it works on that level, too. But I also think it, you know, like, there is something about, I know we'll talk about this a little bit more in Buffy at the end of the season, and it's not a one-for-one comparison, but there is something satisfying to me about heroes who also can sometimes just admit that, like, you don't have to save the bad people, you know? Yeah. I get it, and I know that it makes them morally superior that they, you know, that he and Buffy tend to do that, but it's as a human who has my own flaws and wants to sometimes see people get revenge, you know, in a TV show so that I don't have to act those things out in my real life. It's like, I, yeah, he got his revenge on Wolfram Hart too. It was just as satisfying as watching Darla get hers. Absolutely. That moment when like he tells Har- like Holland, like, I don't consider you to be a human. Like, like Holland's like, Oh, you can't like, you have to save mm-hmm. all people. And he was like, yeah, fortunately you don't fall into that category. Like, cause he's like, these people are acting like villainous demons. Like yeah. even if they're human and have a soul. And like, this is what we've talked about before where angel splits that line of like, mm-hmm. you know, they or blurs that line of like what it means to be human versus demonic. And like having a soul doesn't necessarily preclude you from being evil and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Like, 
I think this is a great example of like this entire law firm is made up of lawyers who for the most part, are not ignorant of what they're doing and are still willingly participating. Yeah. And I don't think that that qualifies them as innocent humans in need of saving, and I think Angel comes to that conclusion. Yeah. Well, you know, he also threw Holland's words back in his face because yeah. he said, I just can't seem to care, and then those were the final words that Angel, I think, yeah. that he said before he closed the door, and I was like, I mean, you really did have this coming. Yeah. Um, I mean, this has been coming for, like, two seasons now, mm-hmm. so... I'm excited to see where this goes. I know that Drusilla's going to be in the show a little bit longer now that I realize that I love her and she's flawless. I can't wait for her to be in the show. <laughs> Even though I think I, I know I'm going to still hit some bumps as I think there will always be bumps in Angel, but I'm, this was, an, this was very refreshing. Although I also don't know that I agree that Gunn would agree with Cordelia and um, Wesley. I feel like he's also kind of proven to be a little bit more like, I don't have to be the good guy. I, I think no, it was a little I bit think, weird that he was like, yeah, I guess it's just because he wants Angel to be that guy. I don't know. No, I think maybe it comes from more like, you know, Gunn is very into like, yeah, people get what they deserve, but like he's also, we've seen like very into protecting like the innocent and he might not share Angel's idea that every single person in that room needed to die. I see. Yeah, okay. That's that's what I'm telling myself. Because, yeah, yeah I, otherwise I would think his reaction would be a little bit um, surprising. But then also maybe, like, you know, he's come to view Angel in a certain way, and this is Angel acting right. in complete opposition to mm, that. So that's true. he could just be in shock. Yeah. Could be. Yeah. So. <sighs> okay. Um, that's what I've got. Yeah. I will, I will note that for a corporate supplier, that was a pretty small greenhouse. That uh, <laughs> That's true. It was like on a weird roof, too. I don't Darla know. Darlow was being <laughs> held in, but okay. Yeah. Anyway. Also, I think Lila made a necrophilia joke, and I was like, Ugh. Oh, no. I think she was just calling out Lindsay for how pathetic he's been. I actually kind of liked that. But he was like, now you think you have a shot with her. Like, she's dead. I think more she was thinking incapacitated. Okay. I guess that was how I read it, at least. All right. That's but, better than the way I read that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. All right. So next time we've got Triangle on Buffy. I, mm-hmm. for the life of me, cannot remember what that I do. Is. I know what it is. Okay. For once. And what's happening on Angel? Did you? Uh, it's an episode called Redefinition. Okay. But I know that means, as always, that means nothing to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Could be about anything. I suspect we'll see the aftermath of his firing his entire staff. Well, fair enough. Yep. Do you have any uh, recommendations this week? No, but I've been continuing to tell everybody that I know to watch all, to all <laughs> the boys I've loved before. It's to true. All rave reviews. Yes. So. Um, I watched it. It was great. I also recommend it, and I watched it again last night. (laughs) I think I've watched it three times already. (laughs) Yeah, I was really happy with it. And as we both noticed, uh, there were Nancy Drew Hardy Boys books in Lana's, the main character's bedroom. Obviously, like, the whole movie is just, like, really beautiful, and she's got this, like, stunning bright blue wall with, like, yellow accent flowers on it. And I then want the wall. It, it was so cool. I was like, oh, my God, you guys made such a good decision to have her have Hardy Drew and Nancy Boys because these, like, classic 
classic design books have yellow and blue spines, so they looked so cool against the wall. I have a mini collection on my desk. Yeah. I, I felt very cool, <laughs> but I can't take credit because Ginny gave them to me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't have any anymore. What I have oh. to get some. That's because you left yours in a taxi. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> Shh, don't tell Tasha. <laughs> Um, no, I did like a pretty hard Google search for that wallpaper and I cannot find it. <laughs> I'm surprised. Somebody's going to find it soon, I think. I have been wanting to put like temporary wallpaper up on my wall of like, and like something kind of like florally like that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my God, I really love that. I cannot find it. But then also I'm like, uh, with the books and the wallpaper, I don't really want to like totally copy a set yeah. design. So. <laughs> but it is so cool. It's really cool. How many people would know? Not that many people would know. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Well, Claire texted me after, because I told her to watch it. And then mm-hmm. she was like, oh, I just watched it. My heart just grew three sizes. Yeah. <laughs> oh. oh my God. It's just so cute. Yeah. It was adorable. Um, now you have to read the books though. I know. I would like to. I got to finish the books that yeah. I'm reading. I'm just not. They're pretty yet. easy reads. I think I read all three in like three days. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, but otherwise, no, I haven't really watched anything else. So, I've been reading like more YA mm. the last three days, but nothing that I think I would like truly recommend. So, yeah. It's, you know, I'm noticing they're all exactly the same. And it's, it's like I can see elements of like Hunger Games and like, divergent like basically everything that's ever come out like Mm -hmm. every book now is like pretty much the same like some girl finds out that there's something different about her Mm -hmm. and her destiny changes and she has to work with people on the other side Mm -hmm. and falls in love with like two boys yeah and then like has to figure out who she wants to be and like if she's gonna let this new life make her less human blah 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 and Mm -hmm. then and then sometimes they throw in like mystical powers and like all this stuff and it's like no, every single one of these books is exactly the same. Mm-hmm. It must be really frustrating to be an editor in YA right now. <laughs> yeah, probably. Mm-hmm. But then also I'm like, well, I could just mash up all of these and write a bestseller. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. Probably. Yeah. <sighs> so. Okay. What about you? No. no. I am yeah. um, watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine again, so I'm catching up on Because oh. I had only seen maybe the first three seasons-ish. Um, but it's been delightful. I really like it. Now you it's get one like more season. Surprise. Yeah, it's great. I'm not quite done yet. Hmm. All right. Well, what tea were you on this week? Drusilla. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> Damn. It's the only one. Yeah. Probably same, because I just, I can't be team anyone on Buffett. You know no, what? No, I know. I'm, no, you know what? I'm going to do it. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm team Xander. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say Riley, because I almost no. went that way, too, just to, like, no, give him my one, one last you know throw of support for somebody who didn't deserve what he got <laughs> as no, a character. I can't, that's why I was Team Riley in the last episode, because I knew I wasn't going to want to be Team Riley in this one. I see. But I honestly think Xander... He stepped up. Agree or not with whatever he said, he took the opportunity to, like, he saw his friend in pain, he, like, tried to talk to her, mm-hmm. and then he took his own advice to heart, That's and he true. went and That's talked true. to his girlfriend, That's and true. I'm like, you know That's what? very mature. <laughs> yes. It's Xander easy is to dish it out as a person. Always... <laughs> That's true. You're right. He grew yeah. a lot. Yeah. So, team, team Xander, it'll be a while before that happens again. Yeah, so. probably. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll talk to you All next right. week. Okay. Bye. Bye. Once More with Commentary is produced by me, Allie. And me, Ginny. Our theme music is from the album Rockingham by Nerf Herder. And our podcast logo is by Ryan Cooney. 
You can email us at scoobies at oncemorewithcommentary.com with any feedback, questions, comments that you have, and find us on Twitter and Instagram at OMWC Podcast. You can also find our most recent episodes and any show notes at oncemorewithcommentary.com. Thank you.